This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 9, Episode 32. This is Writing Excuses, adjusting character proactivity. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. And this is the third in our sequence of podcasts about how to adjust sliding scales on your characters in order to um, help make them more or less engaging as a character to read. Um, You usually want them to be more engaging. Usually. um, But the scale can go either way for helping with that. And if you haven't listened to the other two, we will link them in the liner notes. We're going to talk about characters pro-tagging, which I now use as... um, (laughs) As a verb, they can go pro-tag because it's, of Howard. It's a great verb. It's My great entire verb. class at BYU knows that it's your fault I use it that way now. It, well, and, but it's, from a writing standpoint, it's easier to say than yes. being proactive. Right. We know, we know what it means. We know so what it means. let's say what it means. Howard, what okay. does it mean? <laughs> well, okay, pro-tag obviously comes from protagonist. And the, the structure of story... Uh, the protagonist is someone who is is moving the story forward for us, is taking action. He's the person we're following. Um, he is or she is uh, being proactive, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and weak stories often feature a protagonist who is observing what is going on and reacting, but not... Right. Uh, not taking action. And often we find ourselves staring at the screen, or uh, sorry, screaming at the screen or at the page, you know, do, do something. a thing, please. Yes. So why would you want, therefore, I mean, it's kind of obvious since Howard just said, but why would you want to move this scale? Again, sometimes you need to move it down so that mm-hmm. you've got some place to go. Yes. Uh, a lot of times the reason that you have a, a fairly inactive Mm-hmm. protagonist at the beginning is because they're satisfied with their life. Yes. And there isn't anything, they don't have any ambition because they, they have everything that they think they want. Right. And so... so this is normally called the villain problem, yeah. a reference of it. And the villain problem, if you've heard us talk about it, but it's the idea that the hero would not do anything if the villain did not come into their life and start ruining things, which then makes the villain the, the, the protagger, mm-hmm. which is a very odd thing to have in your story, and you need to compensate for it in some way. Now... How can we, therefore, compensate for this? How can we move this bar up and have a character protag when maybe at the beginning they're reacting? Well, and, and a lot of times they are by necessity reacting. Yes. But mm-hmm. one of the things you can do is instead of waiting for the villain to take action that the character then reacts to, mm-hmm. you can have the character start to make plans for how they will deal with right. things. These plans don't necessarily have to be things that they will follow through on. Yes. You know, the plans can be disrupted, but the the first step is having a character who is making choices. A right. great example of this is Andy Weir's The Martian, uh, which we've promoted on the show before. Um, our protagonist it has been wounded and stranded on Mars in a, you know, this is near future, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 years in the future um, so with technology that we're all familiar with, been wounded and and his reaction is to stagger back to the habitat. You know, he's reacting the whole time. I need to not bleed to death. 
you know, through my suit out here in the cold. Okay, I'm in the habitat. I've got the door shut. Now what? And he starts making plans. He just starts doing the math. Even though the math is coming up with things like, yep, I'm going to starve to death three years and six months before the next ship arrives, he's still doing the math. And as he does the math, he starts looking for ways to adjust the numbers. And it's really neat how he moves from purely reactive to very, very protaggy. <laughs> now, I'm going to take this another direction. Oh, did you have something first? I was just going to say that one way to, to do this is to make sure your story has more than one antagonist in it or mm-hmm. more than one obstacle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's the villain problem, but if the book starts with your character up against a different villain yeah. or some other big problem, if the b- book starts with them as a farmer before the Dark Lord arrives and conquers the kingdom, they can still protag on their farm. We can still see them being active and doing things and being likable and competent um, in yes. a different arena. I think it was Kurt Vonnegut who said, always make your character want something at the start of a story, mm-hmm. even if it's just a cup of water. Yep. Um, and yes, I would say that this is, this is one of the main ways that you move this sliding skate bar. So you probably want to be making your character move up on this bar as much as possible for the story you want to tell. Granted, <coughs> excuse me, you may want sometimes to have it start low and go somewhere, but having them pro- want something and be working on something when the plot begins will give a sense that this character is capable of protagging in the future and makes you interested in them. Yeah, the Dark Knight uh, does this great. Yeah. Because he starts off with the goal of quitting, which is an odd thing to be proactive about, but it works because mm-hmm. he's trying in the beginning very strongly and then continually throughout the movie to set the city up so that it can run itself without his help. And then by the end, of course, that becomes part of his whole character arc um, and sacrifice. Right. Now, I want to take this another direction, what I was saying earlier, and mention that one way to have a character, you know, the natural state of many characters is, I'm satisfied. Well, I'm satisfied is usually a a front for something else with a good character. And if you are writing in this character's head and you can give a sense of latent sense of loss, is how I would call it, that this character knows something is missing from their life, but they don't know what it is, yet, of course, my life is perfect, I have everything I want, what what more, and yet there is something missing. And when you can get this across, this will really help this sense of at the beginning, yes, I'm not yet reacting, um, I, I'm not yet acting, but I want to. Piece of me really wants to go on this adventure. Um, the new Hobbit film, for all of its flaws, I think actually kind of gets this across. Maybe even um, one of these things that Jackson added that the book doesn't is when Bilbo decides, I really have wanted this all along, even though I didn't know it. That's a very nice moment for you. And if you concede that as a writer ahead of time, you'll have very nice character moments. Um, the Incredibles does this yes. mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. well because yeah. the whole first half of that movie is him kind of sort of loving his life but yeah. you know secretly he goes out at night and tries to help people and tries to reclaim his former glories. Yeah, I'm just going to flag this for the people who are long-time listeners what we're talking about is the character arc from the Mice Quotient. Yes. Yes. Which is characters dissatisfied with their role in life. Yep. But this whole idea that they are what you mentioned earlier that they won't act Unless something intrudes, you know, a good example—a yeah. good example of the character who is satisfied but doesn't 
isn't willing to admit that he needs something else mm -hmm. is, uh, and I've forgotten the character's name, but is our uh, main human character in uh, The Lives of Tao by okay. Wesley Chu. Mm. Um, because he ends up with, you know, an alien intelligence in his head uh, helping him and trying to get him to, to participate in this great fight. And he, he is... He wants his old life back. He doesn't want to have to move. And then he crosses this threshold where he realizes, oh, I really did need more than what I had. Uh, and that's a that's a fun moment in yeah. the book where he starts stepping out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's stop for our book of the week. Uh, this week we are promoting The Blue Sword by Robin McKinley, which we realized we had never promoted before, which is a great hole in our recommendation list. Um, this is my wife's favorite book of all time. Um, I read it as a young man who just discovered the fantasy genre. It was part of this entire thing that got me into the genre. Um, it is a delightful, classic story. And the interesting thing with this conversation is about a character who is reacting for much of the story. And you can see how Robin McKinley makes uh, Harry, who's a girl, sympathetic and interesting and acting, despite the fact that the main story that they're part of, they are having, she's having to react to. It is a classic. It is a, a wonderful story, well told, that I recommend to all of you. And it's aged really well. Yes, it has. Uh, audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. Start a 30-day free trial membership and download a copy of The Blue Sword by Robin McKinley, narrated by Diane Warren for free. When I um, got married, I forced my wife to read The Wheel of Time that she'd never, she'd read the first book and never finished. She forced me to reread The Blue Sword. <laughs> Time-wise, I'm not sure who got the better end of that deal. <laughs> um, so one aspect of this that I wanted to, to mention is I view plot 
as um, a sense of progression. Mm -hmm. You have a goal and you, your plot is getting little pieces of that goal or little steps toward that goal as the story progresses. And one way you can work with proactivity is, you know, the person who has control over how you are proceeding towards your goal is a person who has a lot of power in the proactivity realm. And so you can actually make a character who is progressing us toward our goal while at the same time, in many other ways, they may not be actively um, pro-tagging, if that makes sense in any way. Um, I have had characters who, in a book, they are doing fundamental research that is going to be very important to the plot, and we are moving forward, and yet, as an active character, all they're doing is reading books and providing information. This character is helping us move along our goal. We get a very sense that they are pro-tagging and that they are an active character when really they're spending a lot of time sitting in a room and other people are hitting other people with swords. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and I think that that is, that's one of the keys to pro-tagging. It's, mm -hmm. it's the choice and the effort. Yes. Uh, so it's, well, it's not just the, the choice, but you have a choice. You can act or you can not mm -hmm. act, and it's the making the decision to act and then the effort to do it. And that someone who doesn't have a choice to act right. is not protagging. Excellent. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah, I wanted to present an, an example that is in some ways the exact opposite uh -huh. of what you just described, which would be Ender from right. Ender's Game. He is an active protagonist in a bunch of little things that do not progress the story. That's the true. The story is going mm -hmm. on almost without his input until the very end, but he is incredibly active and he's incredibly engaged and he overcomes one challenge and knocks it down and another one comes up and he knocks it down. I guess you, that would depend on how you define that plot. Because in my head, that's still underdog sports story. And in that archetype, he is very active. But in the super plot mm -hmm. that he's not as aware of, he is not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, at risk of introducing a, a metaphor that's just ridiculous, in A Brief History of Time, Stephen Hawking talks about time, uh, almost jokingly saying, you know, it's, it, is, it is the quantity of the universe, the quality of the universe that prevents all things from happening at once. Um, but it is also measured by uh, the actions of the discrete elements of the universe. And, and, and this came to me, Brandon, when you said, uh, you know, plot is defined by the mm -hmm. actions of the characters. Um, this really is, you know, if you treat your book as its own universe, it is the actions of the characters that are moving this book forward. And if your characters aren't acting, then what you've got is a universe in which time doesn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's too meta metaphysical. Yes. I'll stop. Let's <laughs> ask a different question. We have a writer who says, all right, my writing groups are telling me my character is not active enough. Where have I gone wrong? How can I move this bar up? What are specific tools I can use? Well, one of the things that I was going to say is that a lot of times people will mistake an active character for one who is jumping around and hitting things. Right. Um, I've got a short story called Locked In in which my character has ALS and is completely locked in, can't even blink by himself anymore. But he is an active protagonist because he is still thinking and making efforts and has desires. Right. Um, so this is not something, and, and he actually has the choice to walk away. So if you want to dim it to make your character more protagonist-y, 
giving them the opportunity to walk away and having them choose to not walk away and to take action instead will make them more active. Excellent point. I would say another one would be making them have a higher stake in the plot Yep, is a great way to kind of get across their proactivity. A lot of early rookie mistakes are the plot is happening to this other character mm -hmm. and I am observing and helping out with this plot rather than participating as the main focus of the plot. Yeah, but I think you can still do that. Oh, yeah, you can. Um, mm -hmm. because, again, this was something that I just had to wrestle yeah. with. Uh, but it very much still, even with a character who isn't, who, who isn't, you yeah. know, Gandalf, who has all the power. Right. You know, then wanting to do that, wanting to be the or one who makes the change. giving them some stakes. Giving them some stakes. If, you know, the, the problem with this side, this character who's observing is often they don't have the same stakes as yes. the people involved. You've got to make it personal to them. Yes. And that personal to them will naturally force you to make this character act some more. Dan, you had another one. Uh, this is a weird one, but uh, I'm thinking about people like uh, Taran, assistant pig keeper, oh, yeah. who is incredibly proactive because of how incompetent he is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He is reckless and he makes poor decisions and that's what drives a lot of the plots that he is in. And yeah. I, I don't necessarily know if that's great advice, you know, make your character less competent and no, suddenly they'll start a, doing dumb things. That, that works well. I was just, I, was, I don't know how to fix my car, mm -hmm. but if my car breaks down on the side of the road, uh, well, my car breaks down. Hopefully, I'll pull it to the side of the road. And the first thing I will do is get out of the car and open the hood. I do not know what to do under the hood, <laughs> but I'm going to start by opening the hood because I know that whoever's going to solve this problem is going to do it with their hands in there. Yep. Um, I don't know what step comes next. Hmm. Uh, maybe I'll begin poking things. And it is possible <laughs> that your protagonist is in a similar situation, and what you need to have them do is get out of the car and open the hood. Yeah, I think that's basically getting into something we've talked about before, which is try-fail cycles. And the, mm -hmm. the, um, in another episode, I talk about the yes, but, no, and sequence, yes. which is that your character tries something, and does it succeed? Yes, but they land in a worse situation. Or does it succeed? No, and they land in a worse situation. It's always they land in a worse situation. Right. <laughs> um, I would say that in this realm, this slider is the hardest one to push low. Um, this is the slider that you have to be really careful if you're trying to bring this all the way down to the bottom and have, you know, have a good reason why you're doing it. These types of characters don't tend to make really interesting and engaging characters. You can do it, but it is the hardest one. Uh, it may say... be one that you need to pull down because the character for whom you are pulling it down yeah. is not your protagonist. That's true, yes. Yeah. That, that's a very good point. Yeah, that's an excellent point. The other thing that you might have is you may have a character who's depressed, and this is a yeah. hallmark of, of it depression, is. which is the difficulty in motivating yourself, and that having that arc again yeah. is... And I would suggest that in, when you're running into these situations, if you want the character to not protag in the main plot, giving them something else to do yes. will really mitigate this, even if you're, you're dealing with depression. And mm -hmm. things like this, with your character saying, I am in, you know, my, my editor has depression. When he has depression, he actually goes and does stuff. He just does the stuff he's not supposed to do. Yeah. Which is a great way to have somebody rather than just sitting there and doing nothing. Um, it's a great way to have people go. Go ahead, Okay, Dan. yeah. Um, I think another great way to raise the proactivity of your characters is take away their resources and take mm. away their friends. And the perfect example of this is Frodo. 
right. who is incredibly inactive for most of Fellowship of the Ring, and it is not until he leaves everyone else yeah. that he starts doing things on his own. And so if you're writing a book and you're like, I've got Legolas and I've got Gimli and I've got all these amazing characters, you might have to kill some of those darlings or send them off to another part of your story so that your Frodo can be active and engaged. Yeah, and that's why it's the end of that. It's the end of Fellowship of the Ring where Frodo pushes off in the boat by himself where he really becomes our protagonist. Yeah, prior to that, he's just a side well, character. There is the I'll take the ring moment. Which is his first threshold, but yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go ahead and have our writing prompt, which Howard is going to provide okay. for us. This is going to sound a little bit like one of those uh, uh, one of those classic um, uh, melodrama movies from the '30s. Take your hero and tie him up so he's physically immobile. All he or she can do is talk, and with nothing but words. Uh, have this person be proactive and protag their way out of the situation they're in. Excellent. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cut scene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.